Episode 38, The Burn of Churn. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrapped SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode from Aaron Wykey of Leadferno and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. And we, uh, this, this might be one of the first times we're like refreshing a, a topic. I, I glanced back and three years ago on episode eight, yeah. uh, we, we talked about churn when we were still in single digit episodes. I should have listened to that before we recorded this one. That way I could be like, wow, I really sucked at dealing with churn. <laughs> or I might realize that it's been three years and we have done nothing to improve our churn. We're still doing the exact same stuff we were doing before. Yeah. I'm just curious what I said back then. <laughs> well, you can do it. Like, So today is when we get into it. Now you're not influenced by anything else. So you you can do like, this is a true A-B test. So now you can see- It's true, yeah. Did three years ago, Darren, have his act together better than now? Or you've improved yeah. now? Or it's the same? <laughs> like you're, you're, you have a true experiment now. That's perfect. Yeah, I should. I will definitely have to go back and listen. And I'll be like, oh man, all the things I said that we should be doing on this episode, I said them three years ago. I still haven't done them. So I don't know. We'll see. That's awesome. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Uh, well, you know, the usual. We did go on a vacation. So we uh, we got on a plane and we went we went somewhere. So nice. that was new for us. Yeah. We went to uh, Nova Scotia. There's this great uh, farm, actually, we go to. It's Showback Cottages. And it's beautiful there. And it's just like really nice, relaxing vacation. So we did that. That was it was nice to finally do something like that after a long COVID pandemic stuff. And, yeah. and you know, it's funny. I think about it. I was like, I was just reading last night. Not really much has changed. It's like in terms of COVID, it's all like the same risks are basically in our face. In fact, like the new version's a bit more transmissible. Yep. It's doing has changed people's mindset. They're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going on a vacation. Forget this. I'm going, I'm doing things. Yeah. yeah. But I would think like, Mortality rate has definitely plummeted, though, right? Like, yeah, I think Delta was the worst. Like, lots of people dying, and so that is true. Yeah, uh, the hospitals are still pretty full, but the ICUs are down. Yeah, like a lot, lot, not a lot of people getting super sick, and I think that's you know vaccination rates going up yeah. or natural immunity. Yeah. So if you're if you didn't get the vaccine, then you probably got COVID, and, and so you you've built up some natural yeah. immunity and treatments. So I mean, I it's like yeah, I mean. Obviously, by my statements and questions here, like I, I am not paying as much attention to it anymore. So, you know, so it's just fatigue of overload for so long on yeah, totally. so much yep. info and everything else. But I've definitely like, well, I think it was last week on like a Wednesday, I had three different people, like one being my brother, um, one being someone uh, professionally. And then another, uh, my wife's uncle, like all three of them let us know that they had just tested positive for COVID. <laughs> like, right. So, and but like, I think like if you heard that information a year and a half ago, you'd be really worried about them. But now you're like, yeah, you'd probably be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my brother was like three, four days felt like he had a head cold and then he was yeah. done. So, 
Yeah. And yeah. interesting how, okay, well, I mean, now the, they basically claim we're in the endemic, right? Like this is just going to be something sure. that's always around and goes around and surges yeah. and wanes and everything else. And we'll just continue to figure out yeah. more ways to deal with it. So yeah, vacations, people traveling, such as you, I, you went to local U, didn't you? How was that? Yes. Local U advanced in Denver was really fantastic. Um, just so great to see so many of our industry friends, right? After three years of um, not having a, a local U event, great to see people, hug people, catch up, all of those kind of things. And just because there's like, just there's so much history and so many like people that you are just used to seeing multiple times a year at local U events. Um, yep. So yeah, it was it was a great conference. I really enjoyed it. Um, my wife, Marcy came with, so we got 48 hours of away time together. So, uh, that, that nice. was nice as well. So yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm so jealous. Uh, I wasn't able to go, but, uh, my cardboard cutout D-Ron, yep. he was there. He was right across <laughs> from the booth I had there. So I, I, yeah, so it was, was kind of like being, yeah, being with I just, me anyway. I gazed but. at you all. I was just like, there you are, dreamy D-Ron. <laughs> He doesn't have much to say, that guy, but, you know, he does look like yeah. me. I'm, I'm surprised but, uh, more people don't fill in, right? D-Ron is this cardboard cutout of Darren that makes it to <laughs> conferences, and it has, like, the balloon call-out out of your mouth. And I'm surprised more people don't, like, put signage up on that. I cannot believe it. I was just waiting for people to just start putting words in my mouth, but nobody does it. Yeah. I'm just, like, I, I'm waiting for the tweets or whatever where someone has, like, made D-Ron say something ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, that sounds yeah. like something I'm going to do next time, so. Yeah, next time. I'll, I'll change yeah, Especially that. you. I was like, yeah. I can't believe you didn't you didn't uh, grasp that opportunity. My, my but, focus was more on giving a talk in front of live people for the first time in three years. So it was like, right. I, I definitely had a little bit of nerves about it, right? Where it's just like, oh, oh all right. Well, I hope I don't fall flat on my face here. Like, Right. But, and you've given dozens of talks virtually in that time period, yes. but uh, just haven't done it on the stage in three years. Yeah. Right? Well, and it's a lot more fun when you can like watch people's reactions, see if they laugh, and then just right. being able to have conversations after the talks during breaks. One million percent better. One million percent One better. billion. Yeah. I'm going to go billion. Okay, go. A billion percent yeah. better. I know. I really want to get back to in-person conferences and, uh, and I hope to be able to. I would have gone to this one. Well, I probably wouldn't have gone to it, but I, I thought about going to this one. Uh, but it was like the day after we'd returned from our Nova Scotia trip. Yep. It was, just, it was too, too much, much to try and add, add this one on. So uh didn't go but you know hope hope to get to some real conferences because i do reflect upon how valuable just those relationships are when you go to these conferences you meet people and and you just getting to know people is so much more valuable than you know knowing people on twitter or or just you know people you meet only on virtual virtual events it just it changes everything you actually have a relationship and it's really hard to do that unless you're uh meeting with people in person so i'd like to get back to yeah totally agree i uh i saw in my email this morning that white spark had a new little feature launch i I got to watch a video of you as like a precursor to us recording it was just a one-way conversation but you you were right you were talking to me and telling me about citation tracking (laughs) there you go it was was me in your inbox uh the it's funny actually i thought about this one because it was like a, a customer mentioned hey it would be you know, I can only see my last six months of citation data in the local citation finder in this little chart here. Could I get an all-time chart? 
and just totally, I had no idea they were going to do. I think they did it while I was away on vacation. I came back and they were like, "Oh yeah, we we added this new little chart. It's now an all time chart, so you can you can switch the chart and see your citation growth over time." And it's like, "Oh yeah, cool." It was like something they did in an afternoon. They just threw it in there, and it was like, "It's no big deal." But then you realize every little chance you get to make a video and send out a promo email and do the tweets and do the LinkedIn posts. It's just, you got to seize them. And so like, honestly, internally we're like, yeah, whatever this, this feature is no big deal, but, but it does give me a chance to email our mailing list of 17,000 and say, there's a new feature in the local citation finder. And I don't know what percentage of those 17,000 don't even know we have a low key local citation finder. Yep, right. Yep. So now it's like, it's that opportunity just, to stay top of mind and and present them with, you know, these things. And and so a lot of people might have been like, oh, yeah, I haven't looked at that local citation finder in a few years. They get the email and then they come through and, and they sign up for a trial and check it out again, right? Yep. So well, and I, I've really said, valuable. I've said every this, little thing, take a chance yes, and promote. Yes, it. I've said this before. If you're not willing to make a big deal out of something, no one will for you. So like that's, you you have to sure. take that opportunity and. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to overhype something like this is going to change your world, but it can definitely be like, no. here's something new we have. Here's how you can put it to use. Here's how it is valuable for you. So you want to check Here it out. Here are the two benefits. You know, if you're an agency, this is great for that. If you're a small business, this is great for that. Yep. End of story. Like, I don't, it, my, my video was one minute, 39 seconds. It's quick. Here, here's a quick little thing, how you how you can access it. Yep. So did that. That was good. Um, that was some new things uh, for me. Uh, hey, you and I were talking about this... Uh, this founder path thing. Yeah. You were looking into that? Yeah. So founder path, right? We've seen, you know, there's there's kind of a surge of these coming out lately, lately like financing yeah. for bootstrapped companies, right? And they right. lend right. to right. you uh, based on what your recurring revenue is. Like I, I've already seen this. We use Stripe, right? And Stripe will do that. Sure. Stripe will basically uh, lend you your current MRR. Um, I can't remember what their rate. I think there's maybe is a 10% rate, but they're like, okay, yep. we see, you know, you're at 5,000 MRR. Um, you can get a loan for $5,000 from us. And Oh, I didn't know the Stripe did that. Yeah, yeah. They do just right in line with your MRR and then they do a payback, you know, over 12 months, right? So it's like, we're just going to, we're going to hang on to whatever amount you took divided by 12 over the next 12 months. So, oh. you know, it's it's really great to see these tools coming in for bootstrap SaaS companies because the ones dealing it, they understand how SaaS works and recurring revenue and compounding and all of those things. So you don't have to go through all of the, you know, submission of so much stuff and historical and whatever else. So Founder Path is by uh, Nathan Latka is one of the founders, and he's his own polarizing character in the in in the industry and stuff. Um, yep. But I decided, okay, I'm going to plug in. You connect your payment system, so I connected our Stripe. They take it in, and like 12 hours later, they have you know they build it into a score and kind of rate where you sit with your churn and MRR and retention um, and things like that, and kind of tell you here's how much we'd be willing to loan you based on your numbers and the health of your company. Um, right. And as you and I were discussing, one of the things I really liked is some of their like charting and graphs. I was like, man, I wish Stripe had some of these visual charts for MRR and then their 
they're actually calculating net revenue retention as well, which yep. is something in the past when I was at GatherUp, like I would hand calculate that because I just, it wasn't in the billing tools we had and right. super helpful, but it was like, I would do it like once a year and it was just days of work to crunch through all the numbers to get to it, but a really helpful number to know. Um, so yeah, it was just, I, I, I think it's great that our types of companies have more resources to tap into mm -hmm. cash to use for growth short to, to medium term without going through a bunch of hassles, right? These guys claim that like yeah. they wire money within a day yeah. based on how everything checks out that you've already just tapped them right into your billing system. Yeah. So when I, when I connected my billing, I got an email same day from one of their sales reps saying, Hey, you, you want some money? Because uh, that's that's what they're selling, right? Yep. And so I was like, well, I'm curious, like, what is the interest rate? What do I end up paying? And so he sent me a spreadsheet and I had two options. So if I did a, a, a 24 month payback, the interest rate is 22%. It is expensive. Yeah, that's These deep. are pricey loans. Yep. And uh, if I did a 12 month payback, then it, would, it was going to be 12%. Like I get a 10% yep. discount rate. Yep. So those rates are really high. And I was thinking like, all right, so your options are if, if you want to just get an influx of capital. So like, let's say I decide I'm going to leverage the asset of our MRR to, to get 200 grand. And with 200 grand, I could hire a marketing person. And, and you know, it just gives us a runway to, to do a little bit of growth. But I would end up paying like quite a bit back to them and that's an expense and so i'm just trying to balance it and then another thought i had was well i can go to the bank bank will give me a loan probably probably like four percent or five percent rather than these really expensive ones but the problem with the bank is that then you've got to like you got to put your house up you know as yeah, like personal a personal guarantee, guarantee. Yep. yep yeah so it's, it's like you either get an easy loan and it's expensive or you get a difficult loan and it is, uh, it's hard to get a lot of hoops to jump through and then you got to put the personal guarantee. So it's, I'm just, I'm just looking at it and thinking, should I do it or should I just, you know, stay the course? Yeah. So here's the interesting way that they present it, right? They basically say, all right, we're, we're lending, we're basically lending, we're taking a look at who your monthly customers are and we're lending against those. We're basically turning them into annual customers for you because we're giving right. you all their cash up front. And yep. what their positioning, what their messaging is for an annual plan, you're likely already going to give them a discount of 20% or maybe 30%, right? Like right on your oh, site, like even yeah. for Leadferno, we do an 11% discount if you want to pay annually, which uh, fun thing, while I was at Local U, we had our first annual customer on our premium plan. So that was right. a nice $2,400 one-time payment for the year from that customer. So that yeah. that was awesome. Um, right. So yeah, when you look at it that way, that's where they basically say, so if you take this money and you pay this percentage of 12%, we're actually saving you 8% is the delta there that we're we're saving you that if you acquired customers to get this money that way. So obviously what's not factored in is, you know, lifetime value. They're giving you that customer for a year. You'd like to keep them longer. Um, yeah. but, but I look at it and I've always looked at capital this way. If you know what needs to be done, if there's something that needs to be scaled, if you're confident in how you're going to put it to work, 
then it's absolutely the gasoline you need because you already are holding the match. You you understand sure. what that needs to be. If you don't know and you just want it for security or to like however, whatever that calculated bet is or you need it to pay off, like that's where you do want to weigh out how I'm going to sit for this. But but I look mm-hmm. at like when when you have something that you're just looking to increase, right? It's like, okay, if I went in there and, and they gave me a loan for 10 grand, that would allow me, all right, for two months, I, I talked about this for, right? We're looking at a, a meeting setting, a demo setting uh, business that will set up demos for us. This would allow yep. me to do that for two months, right? So I have the cost of that. Then I calculate, here's what I think I would get if they gave me 20 demos. I would close 11 of them. Lifetime value of those is X. Here's what I would increase my run rate. So here's what I'm paying them monthly, you know, $1,200, $1,500. But over this time, I'm increasing my MRR by $2,500. So not only am I covering that, I'm making, you know, that additional amount on top of it. So you can definitely look at it in the math. And if you know how you need those things to go and you have an understanding that you can achieve that or do better, then it definitely makes the case. Yeah. 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 It's just like, I never thought of that. Like, you know, the annual discount. And if you're calculating the loan based off of monthly discounts and those customers do stick around for the full year, it's like leveraging that discount rate to get the cash up front. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's no different than when you look at, you know, doing paid search, other things like the cost to acquire that customer. You can look right. at it as like a fee or an investment. Um, and once you get it dialed, right, it's like, I can't afford, we talked last about, I can't afford to do paid search for the level we'd be at right now. But it's right. like, but if I was able to do it and I got the metrics on what it was returning me, I would just keep ramping up like, okay, because the name of the game is acquire more customers. So if I spend, you know, 10K and I get, two grand or three grand in MRR. And I know how long we're keeping customers. So it's like, okay, so then I get a a five month payback on that. Well, I'm just going to keep ramping that up and get as much as pay as much as possible because in five months I'm free and clear on these. And then I'm just making straight profit. So I want to keep increasing what's there. So, right, right, right. But yeah, definitely. Like I said, more than anything, I love just seeing the flexibility. It was great to see some of the reporting tools uh, that they have in there. There's a few others out in the market that I might might check out as well. Um, But for us, as as we grow our MRR and that loan value might be higher, like I look at it like this could be feasible for us to start next year to help pay for these paid search campaigns and fine tune that and, and use that for growth. So, yep. Yeah, it's a really interesting model. Um, you're giving me something to think about. Like I, I kind of ruled it out when I was like, oh, wow, 22% interest. Like that's like, why would I pay for that, right? Yeah. But, you know. And that's stretching it out. The key is what you said. It's like, if you know exactly how you're going to put that money to use and you you have crunched the numbers and you've calculated what the return is you could get on that money, then you, you can make the case for it and it yep. makes sense. Yep, totally. Yep. I get it. All right. So that's the acquisition side. Let's transition into the the churn side of things that we wanted to get to because part of that, right? We were just looking at and you know, churn is one of their metrics. So you're you're taking a look at what they have in there. For me, just because of like how their MRR chart is a is a bar chart and they show you what's existing, what you got in growth each month, and then off the bottom they show you 
you know, how your churn's affected. And it, for me, I just, you know, I'm so focused on like, right, getting lead inferno through these first stages, right? We're in the thousands of dollars of MRR a month. We're not at, at 10K yet. Um, hopefully, hopefully soon. Um, but as we go along through that, like that's all where my mind is so much. And I think about churn or people leaving, but like we've just had very little of it. Like I think we've had three customers churn that we're paying right. customers for all uh, all of this year. Now that yep. said, I don't have 500 customers, um, so it's not the the biggest sample size that that's out there. Sure. Um, yeah. So within that, like you know, churn isn't something that I've had to deal with with Lead Inferno uh, at all yet, which is great. I would love if stickiness stays at this level. Um, it totally. it probably won't, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, and and then you last episode kind of mentioned right you'd started calculating and taking a look at at your churn more as well something that you're bringing to the table and focusing on yeah you know i was just looking at it before the call actually and so our churn rate is 7.3 percent that is our churn rate so and that's month your monthly churn right that's my monthly churn so that's the number that i got for over the last three months if i just change that to you know last four weeks, then my churn rate is, it's exactly the same, 7.3. Yeah. So our churn rate over the last four weeks is 7.3. Churn rate over the last three months, roughly the same. So I guess we could say that that is our churn rate. And I always think that our software, particularly the local citation finder, is 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 a relatively high churn piece of software because it's the kind of thing that people use. And then after a while, it's usefulness. Um, degrades because it's like I already got all these citations. I don't need to keep building them. Um, and so, yeah, but I don't know if that, it seems actually lower than I expected. I thought we might have higher churn, but you know, it, do you know what the numbers are? Is that a good churn rate? Is that a bad churn rate? So there's, a, depending upon stage of company, the market you serve, you know, I, I think when dealing with SMBs and this type of product, like good would be getting below 5% great yeah. would be below 3%. Right. Because when you look at, right, when you add that up and you're like, okay, that 7%, you know, if we didn't acquire any new customers, that 7% over a year would wipe out 70% of our customers, right? So it's like right. you need your acquisition to be up and beyond that. And if your growth is there, then yeah, you're bringing them out. You're growing at 10% or 15%. You're churning at 7%. So your growth rate, you know, 3 to 8% somewhere in there so but you could hit this point where you've saturated the market everyone knows about you um and so that actually can be this turning point where your churn is a major killer yep yep and that's where people care about expansion this is where that net revenue retention comes in where do you get them in on yep. something and then you actually expand what they're paying you because they're either using more products or more modules or, or paying more. So they started with you at $30 a month, but then you got them into another product and then they're $100. So you've expanded them. So yes. net revenue retention takes away, like here's the revenue we lost in churn, but of our existing customers, these guys actually increased. So that number is like on, you're looking at it, you want to be above 100%. That means your revenue is expanding and you don't yep. count new customers in it. So just our existing customers, because they're expanding and doing more, our company can grow all by itself without new business coming in. 
So in that right. scenario, you need to really reduce churn as much you can. And then you have to have the right levers and processes to induce, and, and sometimes the right pricing plans to induce expansion um, yep. for what someone's in there. So it's like right now for Leadferno, we, there's kind of two ways for expansion. One is somebody comes in, they're using our pro plan, then they decide they want to go up to a premium because of a, a couple of things we have there, or they want more users on the system. So we would expand yep. them from 150 a month to 225 a month. Um, yep. Or our resellers selling and having more clients on uh, would be the other thing right. that that bring that up higher. So how do you measure that customer expansion? Is there a, is there a chart in Stripe that will tell you that? I haven't dug into it just because like not calculating it in ours. I would have to look at it in Stripe. But that was where like I was excited because FounderPath had calculation for retention in there. Yeah. So the fact that that was it, it's in under their KPIs tab. They have a net revenue retention. Right. That That's calculated based on there. So that's the first time I've run across. Um, I would guess, I can't remember if Stripe has additional reporting features that you can buy or subscribe to. I know. Yeah. Sigma. Yeah. We use Chargebee at GatherUp. We transitioned to that. And I believe they had that in their reporting capabilities. That was one of the things that um, we wanted there so I could get away from doing it by hand. But that full migration didn't happen until after I left GatherUp. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, how, how do we reduce churn? How are you, what are some of the things that uh, you're doing at Leadferno? Yeah. So I probably don't have as much to comment on this for Leadferno. I can definitely share some of probably what I shared in the last episode, my views and the things that we did at, at Gather Up because we definitely put an effort to it. We were in kind of your same position for like small business. We were probably closer to seven, eight percent and we ended up right reducing it down to below 5% and, and some months below 4%. And probably the, the biggest thing I think is like churn is like a, a team effort. It needs to be something that like everyone is aware of is something that is tracked and it matters and it's the health of the company and it reflects the health of the product and the value customers feel and all those things. So my like big overall strategy with this is like you need to be reporting Churn out loud to everyone at your either your weekly stand up or your all hands meeting or anything else because yeah. really at the end of the day everyone's job all aligns with it. So yeah, your developers need to be making great bug free stuff. They need to understand how the features they build can impact it. Your support and customer success people uh, have massive loads uh, to do with it. Your salespeople need to be like making sure you're landing the right people. So you know they're not painting a picture that someone gets in and in a month they're like, this is nothing on like what you sold me or told me it would do or provide for me. Sure. Yeah. It's really kind of all, all over the place. I think one mistake a lot of SaaS founders and leaders make is like, you only look at features to fix it, right? Like that's the sure. only way value can be delivered. And to me, yes, that can be a, a huge part of it. The stick, the stickiness of features and what you provide them and things like that. And there's a lot of things within that. Like when I think back when COVID started and you had this, you know, initial month of like people just shedding costs, right? Like, yep. and really what they were doing, they're getting rid of anything that wasn't absolutely like substantial to their business. And SaaS companies reacted, right? Like we did 
pauses on billing. You know, can we pause you for a month and then check back in? Can we pause you for two months and then check back in? Can we give you a reduced rate? Like we're trying everything we can to like, you know, don't, don't leave. This is difficult for everyone. And we understand what's going on with these circumstances. So we don't want you to churn because getting you back is incredibly hard. Yeah. So we're willing to like make this easier until we start to see where this goes, how long, like all, all of those kind of things. And I remember one of the things I was really struck with at the time where I was like, all right, right, gather up as a customer feedback NPS online review tool. And at first I was just kind of like, oh, are we, you know, really close to what matters to that business? Are we one of these core tools that they need? And at first it was really hard hard to like not feel like that, right? I was like kind of jealous of other tools that were like customer communication, like texting, like email marketing, I'm like, okay, this is the only way to interact with your customers right now. You would not be stopping your MailChimp or campaign monitor account. You wouldn't be stopping using your texting service. Like this is what you need when people can't walk into your business and you need to communicate changes that we have contactless delivery and curbside pickup and our hours have changed and our mask requirements, all those things. So that was one thing that I definitely considered even before starting Leadferno. I was like, all right, I, I want to be something people feel is more core and sticky. Makes sense. Yeah. So yep. it's like, can they live without my tool? And then what was great and emerged and, you know, Mike Blumenthal was great behind this because he just started picking up on all these angles right away that businesses still really needed to listen to their customers and understand what was being said because they were rolling out so many changes in health practices and hours and delivery methods and service and all these other things that you needed to understand how that was landing with customers. You needed feedback. You needed first party reviews more than ever for them telling you, I felt safe. I didn't, you didn't enforce masking. Your hours don't work for me. Curbside was a headache or it was awesome. Um, you know, so, and that was great. So then we just started producing a lot of content and messaging our customers. Like, here's why you still need us you're changing a million things. You need to understand how these changes are um, impacting your customers and are they in favor or not in favor and what else do you need to continue to iterate on? Sure. Yeah, it's amazing. You don't think of like, oh, how do we reduce churn? Put out more articles. Like that's not top of the people's list, right? But in that case, the way Mike Blumenthal identified, you know, some of the the key benefits that the software provides. That's a huge um, retention strategy. Yep. You know, I think there's, it's just so much like a lot of people think, oh, we have this churn, people are canceling. So we need to just focus on our cancellation flow. When a person goes to cancel, let's give them some options. It's like, oh, why are you canceling? Oh, it's too expensive. Okay. Well, how about a, ten, a 10% discount? Great. We implemented that option and we solved our churn problem. It's so much bigger than that. It's like the onboarding, the customer service. There's so many reasons people churn and, or, or, you know, decide that they don't need the software anymore. And there's so many different ways to tackle that, that I I think a lot of people are just focusing on, on one or, or two things and they're not looking at the the whole picture. Yeah. And that's why I think that like, first you need a strategy right? Like just as you outlined what you do with a customer when they churn, like that's totally tactical. But first you need the strategy of, you know, churn is important. Here's where we're at. We're going to come up with some strategies as a team and research this and figure out strategically, what do we want to accomplish? How are we going to track it? 
How are we going to socialize this internally, get everyone bought in, understand how each department can make their own impact on this. And then you come up with the tactics to support that strategy. So just as you alluded to, right, when people leave, like finding out why they're leaving is definitely a huge one, right? These, this is, yeah, you need that data. Yeah, this is that target audience. You want to be asking and finding out like, wh- why ultimately did you quit and trying to, you know, be able to get as precise or enough information out of it where you can yep. kind of figure out what it's about, right? You, you get answers sometimes that aren't always the real answer, um, but you get enough of them. It makes it a lot easier to sift through it. The, the tactical, which you outlined, right? And I, um, I tweeted about this. There's a piece of software I canceled a few weeks ago and it was a seven step process to cancel the account. So I clicked cancel. Then they gave me like, Hey, we get it. Things come up. Do you want to pause one to three months? Let us know. And I was like, decline. All right. How about if we knock 30% off your bill decline? All right. Tell us why you're leaving. So fill that why is leaving (laughs) then. All right. One more try. Here's 50% off. (laughs) Then, the, then I'd hit decline. Then the next one was like, hey, I'm the founder. I don't want you to leave, but I'd really love to know one-on-one why you're leaving. You're really begging yes, at this point. Yes. Yeah. And then finally, like, deny, like clicking that, I can't. And I was like, you know, yeah. part of that, I was like, right, as a SaaS founder myself, I was like, okay, yeah. you're giving an opportunity to, like, get some information, understand what happened. You're finding out if, if money strictly was it right like are we just a little off yep. in the value we're delivering where a 30 or 50 percent discount might keep them on then you can go and like get customer success onto them and figure out how can we yep. build that value up so we can return them to a normal payment in six months or three months and they feel good about it um but i was also like i, I more had after seven steps i was like okay you could have cut this in half and we could have you know i would have had a better taste in my mouth now i'm just like all right that's that's obnoxious. Like you, you just seem so desperate. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It was just a, it was a bit much, but I get it. I get what they're after, and and you know, I also tweeted like I would love to know their metrics, like how sure you know yeah. do they stop one percent from churning at step three and another two percent at step five? You know that sure. that kind of stuff is definitely interesting uh, to me, but it 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 was a lot. Makes me think like. Maybe on step seven of our own, I could be like, would this video of the White Sparks founder dancing help? <laughs> just dance, monkey dance. And I'd just be doing all kinds of tricks and stuff. And be like, please don't go. I could even put that, I could use that song. Yeah, that would be, that would be pretty funny. You would definitely get some reaction out of it. I, I would think both good and bad. Like you'd, you'd infuriate some, you'd probably delight most and be like, that was great. Still leaving, but. Still canceling, but thank you for the laugh. Yeah, a memorable yeah. experience. Actually, I do kind of like this idea. Now that I've said it out loud, I kind of think I might do it. Yeah. <laughs> I might add the founder dancing to our cancellation flow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and to me, that some of the other things, like one thing we really focused in on Gather Up, right, is once you have enough accounts and you start realizing things, I, I think it's always a great idea to look at certain things that take place in your product and how are those signals? So yeah. what we always understood at GatherUp is like the, the software was this engine, but the gas for the engine was data. And th- this is true for most, most SaaS companies. And so we knew if these businesses weren't getting feedback from their customers, like they were massively likely 
to churn because you have all these features and reporting tools and monitoring and everything else. But if nothing's happening that needs to be monitored or reported on or anything else, like you don't need you're it. not going yeah. anywhere, right? Yeah, and then absolutely. in that system, we looked at the intakes, what brings this data in? And that was overwhelmingly sending review requests, right? Sending emails or text messages to customers after they did business with you and saying, how did we do, rate us, would you write a review, everything else. That that was the intake. That was the way to get the, the gasoline into the engine. So right. we basically ended up calling this the, you know, the problem of zero. If people weren't sending review requests, they were just highly, highly likely to churn because they were basically just paying us to monitor reviews that were going to organically happening. And they weren't doing anything to like cause more reviews, increase sure. reviews happening. And so as only a review monitoring tool, we were super expensive. Um, but if you're using us to automatically send the requests and get the feedback and parse through it and reply to it and post it to your website and all these things, then we were a, a massive value. So we were always looking. And once we saw that, then we started, you know, running small reports so that our customer success could see the people that, okay, they've been on for 30 days. They haven't sent any review requests. Let's do some personal yep. outreach and find out how can we help them? Is it getting familiar with it? Is it getting email addresses in? Can we recommend uh, an automation through Zapier forum? Like integration. Yes. Yep. Let's mm -hmm. ask some questions and find out why they're not sending these. And let's, you know, you send us a spreadsheet of customers. We'll upload it for you. We'll get them sent out. Like, Right. So we just started trying some of those experiments and we saw those start to have an impact so we could reduce that, you know, that churn was happening because, yeah, if they never asked anybody, there just wasn't going to be anything in the system that was valuable enough for them to use all these great features that we had because this was a super important feature to get data into our system. And what do they call that in SaaS? It's like that, like you tr you must get a customer past this yeah, point. Like Facebook a lot of times is, they call it add North Star is what they call it. Yeah, like Facebook, you have to add three friends and yep. then, then, then you start to have a feed. Otherwise you don't even have a feed in Facebook yep. and it's just garbage, right? Yep. And so um, for you, it was like send three three review requests like you know that was kind of the thing right yeah yeah it was more like we wanted to get you to like a hundred just because the, yeah. the law of average is like if you sent a 10 you're definitely going to get first party direct feedback um and those are the things right those are those aha moments where people are like oh awesome i know what a customer thinks but to get third party online reviews you definitely needed to get uh, a bigger data set more going out there for sure. And this kind of same thing I can compare to stuff with Leadferno and see where this is going to go because yep. for Leadferno, right, we need to have conversations happening. So if people aren't starting a conversation from the lead box, clicking, yes, I want to text this business and starting a conversation, you're not, totally. you're not going to have value in Leadferno, right? It's like- Why, why do I have this thing? I never get any messages. Yes. On it. So, and for us, what's even more interesting is we can already see, and I can't wait, I just, we need to get further down the line and more data, but it ultimately comes down to the amount of site traffic. Absolutely. Because our tool doesn't do anything with the amount of people coming to your site. We're not SEO, um, we're, we're not bringing in any other traffic. We're trying to convert traffic coming to your website. So eventually we're going to get a range to understand, like if you're not getting at least 300 users to your site a month, yep. we're likely not going to be able to help you. You need to increase the amount of traffic um, in order to have some conversion opportunities, right? And I just, I threw that number out. We have no idea where it's at yet. 
Um, we're starting to kind of populate that data because we can see how many times our lead box buttons are impressioned. Um, so we have ideas of impressions, which is basically page views to that. So at the end of the day, we're going to end up understanding, and it might be how we start pre-qualifying people when they sign up, where we're like, tell us your average user volume, right? And some small businesses, they're just not going to know this, but it will help us see maybe right from the start, depending upon what people say. Um, and we do have a couple where we're asking like, how many leads from your website do you get a month? So we already know, like if it's somebody that's already only getting one lead a month, that's likely because their traffic volume isn't high enough. Um, you know, more so than their conversions aren't awesome or enough options. Right. Well, that makes me think about your uh, Google business profile integration, because a lot of businesses, they might not get traffic to their website, but they do get a uh, decent amount of traffic to their Google business profile. Like yep. if I'm looking for, if I'm looking for, let's say something in more emergency, I might not need to start looking at everybody's website, right? Yep. I'm just kind of browsing the search results. And, and so integrating with that could help your retention as well for some of the lower website traffic customers. Yep, totally. So that's exactly why we have Facebook Messenger integration, Google Business Messages integration, and you can directly text a number too, right? So it's like giving businesses ideas to you know have on your vehicle, call or text us at our number, um, billboard print yep. advertising, you know, there, there's other, there's other ways to, to do it. It's not all dependent upon the website and the lead box, but obviously if that's okay. to enough level, then there's going to be, the value is going to be there and that's going to be a customer that we retain for a long time. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the big things that I think about with regards to retention, it's like we have two primary cancellation reasons. So when someone cancels Whitespark, one of our software systems uh, that uh, we we ask a series of questions like what are the reasons and then we have a bit of a funnel a cancellation flow depending on the reason and so the biggest one is probably too expensive and so i sometimes when i see those come in i shake my head a little bit and i'm like you know the software is 39 bucks it's 39 bucks a month for our, our local citation finder or it's 25 dollars a month for our uh rank tracker and, and it's actually the lower the the lower cost plans attempt to churn more than the higher cost plans. And so the interesting thing there is like, it's like, oh, you can't afford 25 bucks a month, but it's not actually that. And the, the, the mindset that I'm really trying to understand is, it's that, it's not that they can't afford 25, is that they didn't think that it was valuable enough to continue paying 25. Right. And so communicating the value, helping with the onboarding, um, offering the really good customer support and service and, and trying to show the value, that's where I think the retention magic starts to happen. You know, the cancellation flow is just information for the most part, and you can try and save a few people there, but you really save people when you can educate them about the value of the product. Yep. And that's where you need to make sure like your feature set aligns with that. So like what you're doing with having lifetime visualization like now you're giving them a reason to hang on to this forever because they can track it over the full lifetime. Yes. So it's thinking through things like that. And then even strategically how you're talking to them, outlining it so it feels like, yeah, I, I do this and then it has ongoing value for me forever, right? So, and it's right. figuring out how to have those instead of, all right, for those that are and it's not valuable enough, like how far along do they get, right? Do they get where oh, I have 20 citations, I have 100, like, is it in the volume of citations? 
Is it right. in what the tool does for them? Is there anything that it's giving them suggestions or being proactive with them, right? Those, those are all the things yeah. I'd start to look at. Like, how does having this tool for 24 months, what does month 24 look like? And how much more valuable is it to them at month 24 than month two? And it's really interesting to think about that because when you have, you know, our customers that churn, they usually churn within the first three months. And so it's almost like teasing them, being like giving them that in information and be like, hey, you know, you've been with us for two months. We want to show you what this is going to look like in a year. We want to show you what it's going to look like in two years. So, you know, sending those customers an automated email at some certain point that shows them, you know, what they can expect and what the value is coming, that might be a smart way to reduce reduce that churn. Yeah. And I actually didn't think about it, but the new chart that we just added this morning, that we just promoted this morning, the all-time chart, that video uh, is exactly that. It's like people get to see, wow, for this business that we started tracking in March 2020, they went from 32 citations being tracked. And you can see that growth. Now they're at like 388 or something. And so that just that little feature release and announcing that feature release is actually a bit of a churn buster as well. Helps with retention. Yep. The other thing that came to my mind that you can take it or leave it is like gamification slash competitiveness. So what if you were letting them know, here's average what we see in your industry or business type. Right. So now they either have something to catch up to or something they want to continue. Like, I want to know what I need in my industry to compete and I'm ahead and I want to maintain my lead or I'm right on par and I want to make sure or I'm lacking and I need to keep working to like get ahead of people. So it's like, how can you bring in more than just their data and provide them with goals and things to like ongoing manage that you can get them past those things? And that way, in their first three months, you help them identify, where are you in this? Are you are you better than your competitors? Are you the same? Are you worse? And then you can help prescribe things for them or make suggestions. And that keeps moving, right? Because you're constantly bringing in that data. So if it raises or lowers, they're going to, they're going to see that. Um, even if, even if they're falling short on their activities. Yeah, it's really interesting. We actually have all of that data. Like if we're, if we're thinking about the local citation finder, we have all that data in the software, we're pulling it in. We know all the competitors. We could easily calculate that and surface that into a report for them. Yep. And so that is, those are the kinds of really smart, you know, retention strategies that you or tactics that you can implement that would have a have a positive yeah. impact. Or just like you're able to manually input, like here's your number one citation competitor in your local market. Yep. And you just add that and then they see that in their chart too. Right. So it's like Right. No. I, well, right now in our weekly email that you get, every time we, the system runs another crawl and pulls more citations, we do pull your competitors every time, but we're just not surfacing that in the email. So that might be a smart thing where we can look at that email, tweak it so that it is uh, adding that little competitor thing, which keeps it top of mind for them. It's like, oh man, that 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 auto repair shop across the street has, you know, 50 more citations than me. It's yeah. time to step up our game. Yeah. No, I get like, right. I use Ahrefs to track what we're doing with keywords and a number of things, but then I track my top two competitors as well. So they're given, they're sending me a report. Here's the new links that this company got. Here's their site health, right? So I, I'm seeing what's going on with their sites and that keeps me using Ahf, Ahrefs. Yep. 
yeah, do, doing those kind of things and like kind of poking the bear on the competition side and, you know, giving them some motivation or reasons not to be stagnant, I think is definitely a good idea. And then you still have stuff coming into them, even if they are being stagnant. Right. Yeah, I look at those emails is really important because we have a lot of people that sign up for the software, but they don't actually log in that often. But we want to make sure that they're getting that regular touch point with us so that we know that the software is still doing something for them and, and we're reminding them that we're here and that it's it's a valuable thing so that six months don't go down the road and then they look at the credit card bill and they're like, oh, what is this thing? Yeah, I never even use that anymore. Yeah. Right. So that those emails are super important. Yeah, totally. So, all right. I think you got some things to chew on there, Darren. There's, uh, it's just, you know, thanks a lot, Aaron, adding more <laughs> stuff to my list, more things to do. I'll, I'll, I'll write them down here and, and hopefully get to them in the next little while. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why we do this just to put more on our plate. I mean, I, I, I look at some of these things the same way and yet, you know, we're so young. I've done this before. Um, and some of it's like, all right, I can't wait till some of these things are, are problems or, you know, doing certain things to get ahead of it. Like it already, factors into, you know, how I've approached some of the features we've built and definitely how I do sales, making sure people are a good fit when they come on so that we can retain them long-term. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. But it is, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's every element of what your team does to fight and reduce that churn. But the benefits when you take it from, if you went from seven and a half to 5%, like it's all profit margin for you, which Absolutely. is really fabulous yeah, and impacts the bottom line in a big way. I don't remember what the stat is, but it's like 10 times easier to keep a client than it is to, to yeah. acquire a new Easier one, and so. costly. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's way more valuable. Yeah. Keep, the, keep those clients. Yeah. So, yeah, consider across the board, right? Everything from reporting and sharing it, onboarding, features you build into the product, what's sticky, what can they not live without, how do you have good in-app notifications, pointing them to value features or helping them get deeper into the product or more ingrained in, into what they're doing? Um, customer success, I just think, is a really big one. Like, yeah. figure out, like I was talking about the problem of zero with gather up, like what signals risk? You should know a metric or a feature not being used in your product at X amount of time that that signals risk. And then you need to plan to reach out and, and triage those things. Yep. Surface who's at risk. And then how do you plan them out of it? How do you become their helper to like, hey, we see this. Here's how we can help you use this, right? If we can just get you to right. take this one step, that'll unlock this and this and this um, and kind of keep going until you get them from being uh, at risk. Great, yep. great support reduces churn. The communication we talked about, right? Like you, you need to constantly be teaching people how to reach their oasis, right? Like, I, and this is where I see a ton of SaaSes fail in this. Like they segment out each feature and they just tell you, here's this feature and what it does. Here's this feature and what it does. To me, like you need to collectively be saying, here's these eight features. And when you use them in tandem, you reach paradise. Like, sure. and we're going to teach you how to put these to use. And if you miss one or one doesn't work for you, that's fine. Like you still have a game plan to go to work with this. It's the reason why we built these features is so they all work together instead of like, this one does this. You got it. This one does this. You got it. Um, I, I just think like using game theory or strategy and communicating these game plans and strategic views and how you use the features to make that strategy work 
is massive. And then if you have customer segments, you need to segment those customers. So like a gather up, right. we did separate newsletters and separate webinars for agencies compared to our direct business customers. Um, and as we grow, we'll do that at, at Lead Inferno too, because they have different needs. There's different things you need to help them with, unlock, teach them. Um, and so you, you need to do it different. You can't just treat everybody the same. You need to talk their language. And that's really interesting. It was actually one of the notes that I had that I made uh, before the call is that we don't really need to educate agencies. They get it. And almost all of our churn is the small business that they just don't understand why this stuff is important and why they need it and, and how to use it. They get confused and then they churn, but they'll say that they don't churn because because they don't understand the value of the product. They just churn because it's too expensive. And so that information could be misleading. It's not that you need to lower your prices, it's that you need to communicate the value better. Yeah, and you didn't tie it to like a real world benefit for them, right? Exactly. Like, yep. And that's where I look at something like competitive data, like here's how, to, here's how we help you beat your competitor, right? Like that's something they totally. all understand. It's not digital marketing yep. lingo, SEO lingo, anything else. It's like, yes, that's what I wanna do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So, and then lastly to your, you know, when people are telling you too expensive, I'd be finding ways to reach out to as many of those and saying, Hey, you said too expensive. I'm always curious about that. Like, do you have any suggestions for increased VAT? Like what would make you feel that it's not expensive or what would make you feel that our tools cheap? Right. And just, can you get enough of stuff where it uncovers or opens some eyes to a few things to, you know, what's delivering that, right? You'll get somebody like, you know, nothing, just not a fit, whatever else, but can you, sure. getting people to expand on why they said that, um, I just think is always worth trying to do to see what you can learn. And do you think that's a follow-up email or as part of the cancellation flow if they choose that option? I mean, you could do as part of the cancellation flow and ask them to expand on it um, and see what you get for a percentage. And the ones that don't, then I would still probably be doing a personal reach out and be like, hey... Yeah. This is me. I'm the CEO. I look over this everybody that leaves us and I, yeah. I do, you know, can you just reply and, and tell me what would make you feel our tool was valuable enough to, to pay yeah. 25, 35, $45 a, a month for, I'd be trying to get those answers out of them. And do you think that that would be a good place for me to put the video of me dancing? In that email? Is that where I should let them know that I'm, I'm willing to dance for them? Could be a game changer that no one else has unlocked. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to try it. And hey, all you listeners out there, uh, I'll, I'll get back to you about how well it works. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, geez, I feel like we barely scratched the surface on churn just because there's so much. So maybe in another three years, we should come back to in this again. Three years. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Well, hey, I could report back on my turn number, see if I've, I've reduced it. There you go. Well, yep. may, may, maybe we should get, you know, maybe we should jump on a call and discuss some specific things and let's see what happens for you. So. All right. Sounds good. Uh, great. Thanks. Great catching up with you, Darren. Great catching up with you, Aaron. As always, love doing these podcasts with you. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, tell a friend about us, forward the link to thesassventure.com. Post about it on social. Ask us a question. Leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're listening to us, all those things. Um, we love hearing that feedback, what else you'd like us to cover or share. Hopefully you got uh, something out of this and some new things uh, to focus on or try uh, with your churn and uh, try not to let churn burn you, right? That's the name of the game. Yep. 
All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Take care. See you. Bye-bye.